Bibles tonight, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians in chapter number 8. <clears throat> we'll find our text there tonight and um, try to preach it. And uh, thankful for the opportunity to preach once again. And I'm um, glad to be able to do it again. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 8. If you got your spot, um, Second Corinthians, excuse me. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter number 8. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Um, we'll read our Scripture and then we'll get right into it. Um, let's just start reading in verse 1. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach any of these verses, but um, we're just going to read through just to get context. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their, their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, and so much that we desired Titus that as he had as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment. Do you hear that? Said so I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness. Of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. That's why you give. You don't give because it's commanded um, here when we do faith promise, more or less. But um, you're commanded to tithe, but other than that, you're not commanded to give. Um, but it, you're doing it because you love someone, you're doing it because you love God. Um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And this is going to be our text verse, although we will not break this verse down. It's a little different tonight. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who hath begun, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Thank you for standing. I ask the Lord to bless the reading of the word tonight. I, 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 my heart's on this tonight. And I really want to give it to you, and my mind is all over the place, but I, I want to give you just some th simple thoughts as we go into our next part, if you will, of our series. And, um, but, I, but I read a story not too long ago uh, I'd like to share with you real quick, and, and it's a pretty hum humorous story to begin with. Um, but I read this story, and it says there was a Christian missionary. And this Christian missionary was in the desert, and he was suddenly realized that he come up on two lions. And it said that he come up on those two lions, and the two lions seemed to be very hungry. And said, so he did what any other missionary or Christian would probably do. And he knelt down on his knees, and he said, Lord, would you make these two lions the two greatest uh, Christians 
that I've ever come in contact with. And so when he got up from praying, he looked at the lines, and they were both down, uh, kneeled down, and they had their uh, paws crossed, and uh, said the next thing he heard is that they were talking, and they were saying something along this line, this lines. Um, they were saying, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Uh, amen. And so, 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 so that's, that's, that, that's just a little story when it comes to missionaries. But, but, but this is the fifth message in our series entitled Missions, the beat, after God, beat of God's Heart. And thus far we've preached on the principle of biblical missions in, in Mark chapter 16. That's where we began. And then we preached on the power of biblical missions uh, out of Acts in chapter number 13. And then we preached on, is missions worth the price? And that's out of Mark chapter 8. And then we preached on the promise of biblical missions last week in Psalms 126. And so this evening I'd like to preach this thought to you. I'd like to preach the prudence in supporting missions. Now that pr- prudence simply means uh, wisdom or, or um, uh, it means those types of things. Uh, um, but, but God lays things out clearly in His Word for us to learn and therefore to grow by. Could I get a little bit down on the monitors please? Um, by, by the grace of God we are able to support 34 missionaries in Mountain Valley Baptist Church. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. It is. It's a tremendous blessing to us. And I've been, I've been trying to attempt to give you a quote from a missionary each night before we preached on a missionary subject. And so tonight I'll give you two quotes from missionary C.T. Studd. And missionary C.T. Studd, he was a great missionary. He was an English missionary. He was a missionary to China in his years and India in his years. And he was a missionary in Africa. And he lived from the year 1860 to the year 1931. So therefore he would have been, what, 90 a year, I mean, excuse me, 71, 71 years old. I said 90, I don't know. But his motto was this. If Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And that's all to be all of our motto. If there's no sacrifice too great, uh, you're never going to expound uh, or you're never going to exhaust the grace of God or the, or the cross of Christ. Uh, and you're never going to be able to do that. But I'm going to give you two quick quotes in which he gave. Uh, he said, Some wish to live within uh, um, uh, the sound of a church bell, uh, but I want to make a rescue mission within yards of hell. That's how harsh he was on missions. He said, only one life, you've probably heard this, I've said it before. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that is true. Um, because the fact is, is you add up everything, as Brother Floor says, you add up everything that death cannot take away, and that's what your worth is tonight. And you can see in describing the Macedonian church here, uh, 
um, that there is a few things laid out on how they viewed missions uh, and how they gave to missions uh, and that there are uh, four characteristics I could say about them in their giving in this text. Number one uh, is they had it was precious giving. They gave because they loved someone. Amen. Uh, it was precious giving. Uh, also, I believe it was patterned giving. It was patterned from God above uh, and through the preacher Paul. It was patterned giving. Uh, and they gave it because they were instructed to do so from God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that how it works for us? It was purposeful giving. Uh, it didn't go for any other reason but to see souls saved by the, glory, by the grace of God. It was purposeful giving. It was powerful giving. Uh, Just think of how they gave in their poverty. They gave. uh, They weren't abounding in wealth. They didn't have anything. But they gave it willingly. They gave it in the means of worship. It was never commanded of them to do it, but they did it all out of love. And as we get to verse 10, Paul gives them some advice. Paul says, uh, and herein I give my advice, is what he says. He's saying, I want to give you my advice, just quickly, and I want you to hear it. Paul says that he would like to do that, and he tells them that it, 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 it is expedient for them. Everything he said in the first nine verses was expedient for them. Meaning it was, that that word, it means it was worth it. It means it's worth. It means it's worthwhile. It's it's, it's something that's worth doing. Uh, And he tells them, he says, and herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you. He said, this ain't expedient for me, but it's expedient uh, for you. Now that means something. Now, now here's why it means something. We make a, a serious mistake if we consider our offering, uh, um, our missions offering on some Sunday night uh, uh, to, pro, pro, to primarily just benefit the missionary. It's not just benefit the missionary. It's the giver who profits. It's the giver who profits. The Bible says uh, in Philippians 4, 17, Paul says, uh, I'm talking to the church of Philippi. He says, not because I desire a gift, uh, but desire fruit that may abound to your account. It's fruit. It's a heavenly bank account, literally. Uh, and so I'm going to give you that thought tonight uh, out of Paul's statement in verse 10 uh, that simply says, it is expedient for you. And I'm going to preach on the prudence. It's worth it, amen? Amen. It's wise to do it. The prudence in supporting missions. It's wise and it's worth it. Amen. I want to notice two points tonight. They're long. Number one, I want you to notice it is prudent for the church of God to support missions. It is prudent for the church of God. It is a benefit of the local assembly if there is collective effort to raise money for others and particularly for world missions. It is 100% beneficial for the local church to do that. And number one, I believe it, there's a few things that it gives. Number one, it declares God's plan. 
It declares God's plan. God said, go ye into all the world uh, and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, and for it, it provides a means for the church uh, to obey the Great Commission. And we have been told to go into all the world with the gospel. And some could argue the impossibility of one church uh, um, preaching to more than 8 billion people in this world. Uh, but God has not changed His word. He has not changed His Word simply because we have a problem and don't want to give. Talk about the church of the living God. I mean, I mean, we must find a way to obey the Word of God. We, with faith promise, with faith promise as we do, uh, and we are afforded, uh, uh, we are afforded a means to do what no other way could ever do. We're able to give. Because we want to give. And we ought to rejoice whenever the Lord sends a missionary our way to go to some corner of the earth. We ought to be rejoice in that every time. If ever God-fearing, uh, God-loving, God-honoring church would expose uh, um, this scriptural plan uh, of giving to its people, I'm convinced we could get the gospel to every creature on this, uh, on this earth. We could. We 100% could, and I'm convinced of that. It's God's plan, and God desires that all men come to Him. And God said that it's not His will that any perish. So if it's not His will, and He has a plan, don't you think it could be achieved? It could. You know what the problem is? People are deceived. I blame mission. I blame people, pastors, Churches, everything that don't support missions, a simple fact that they're deceived, most of them. Most of them don't know. It's the truth. Most of them don't know, but the ones that do know and won't support missions, shame on them. Remember that quote I read the other day? It says, uh, it's simply fact is that, that one, that, well, a church that claims, a church that claims to be a church, but don't support missions, has lost its ever-loving fact to be one. They have lost it. They can't be a church. You cannot be a church because God died for the church. God died with the Great Commission in mind. He used the church to give the commission to every creature. There you go. There's your alliteration there. He did, he did that, and it declares God's plan when we give to missions. It was God's plan to send the church to every creature with the commission. It was. It declares God's plan. Secondly, it develops God's people. It develops God. You can't be selfish and give to missions consistently. You cannot be selfish and give to missions consistently. Jesus made this statement in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yes, Jesus made that statement. It's in red letters. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And there is something um, different uh, about churches with a strong faith promise program. Uh, It can be sensed as soon as you enter into the church house. It is. I'm telling you, an an unselfish spirit is developed as as, as people give on a regular basis. And every time you meet them, you'll know it. You'll know it. You'll know it. 
It develops God's people. Thirdly, it derives great purity. Now, when the Lord started, I believe this is a whole biblical outline. When the Lord started and commissioned the Jerusalem church in Acts chapter number three, uh, chapter number one, on to Acts chapter number two, and down in verse forty and on, when God did that, uh, it, it immediately they that that church of Jerusalem immediately became very serious about winning the lost to Christ, right? We see 3,000 saved, two chapters over, we see 5,000 saved. They immediately became about the business of doing the Great Commission for Christ. And so, but, 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 but they'll look down the road. Look down the road about two years and they were still parked within the city limits of Jerusalem. They're still in Jerusalem. There's a problem there. Doesn't mean that they, the church didn't need to be in Jerusalem, but there's still a problem when all of the church is still in Jerusalem. There's a problem with that. Acts chapter 1 had been very, very clear in verse 8. It had been very, very clear. Ye shall receive power, and after that the Holy Ghost shall, uh, shall come upon me, and ye shall be witnesses uh, unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. You're not supposed to just stay in Jerusalem. But something kept them from going to Samaria. There was a lot of, I believe it was more of a prejudice what kept them going to Samaria and to the uttermost parts. Had a problem. And when the church at Jerusalem took their eyes off of, off of the world and they began to look at one another. And you find that. We're working the book of Acts here. Acts chapter number 5, hypocrites appeared. Acts chapter number 6, murmurings appeared. I mean, you got all that God sent persecution in Acts chapter number 8. And in order, why, why did he send persecution? To drive them out of their homeland. To drive them out of Jerusalem. And God sent all of that. And some went to Samaria and were very successful as the fields were indeed already white to harvest. They were ready to be harvested and some also went as far as Antioch and found open hearts among the Gentiles. Thank God. But God had to send persecution. God had to send persecution and the Jerusalem church stayed put and they lost their worldwide vision and eventually they became a dead church. Look how Paul admonishes them on a little farther. <coughs> Paul tried to deal with the area error of Judaizers in the church. And he decided to deal with it right straight at the source. In Acts chapter 15, he returned to Jerusalem and reported his successes amongst the Gentiles and among the assembled church. And there were those who challenged his failure to instruct the Gentiles. Why would you do that? Why would you go to the Gentiles? And he said, those converts, those converts, they need to obey the law of Moses. The origination of the Judaizers, if you will, 
started in the church of Jerusalem. And so it's my belief that the church which does not reach out to the world becomes like a stagnant pool. It does. All impurities grow in stagnant places. The Dead Sea is dead. You know why it's dead? Because it only gains and never gives. Nothing comes out of the Dead Sea. It only gains from other places. And in this kind of church you will find hypocrites and murmuring and doctrinal perversion. And they don't want to get the gospel out. It's good enough for them, but it's not good enough for anybody else. Lord, hell, I'm telling you, it will make you a better Christian if you'll give to missions. It purifies a church. It dispenses God's promises. Dispenses God's promise. Faith promise will guarantee the church that all its needs will be supplied. It will. I promise you it will. I tell you from experience it will. And you can tell me from experience it will because you've been here. You can look from experience and see God blessed this church in a tremendous fashion. God has blessed this church in so many ways. No, we don't have $40,000 sitting stagnant in a bank account. But every $40,000 is going out every single year. Imagine that. That's not odd, friend. It's all God. Philippians chapter number 4, we see that in verse 11. Or Philippians chapter uh, number 4 verse 10. The Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you see the context of that verse. Um, Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians, know, we know who he's talking to, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, which when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. The church of Philippi gave to Paul. They supported him. He was in the monthly budget, amen, (laughs) if there is one. Nonetheless, the Bible says in verse 16, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. You obeyed God and sent to me. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's what it says. But I have all and, and, and abound. I'm full. And having received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Hey, y'all see what that says? He said, he said I'm full having received of Ephroditus. I received it from Ephroditus. Ephroditus gave it to me. The, the, the things which were sent for you. And, and you know what it was? It was an odor. It was not just, I'm not talking about, they didn't send cologne in the mail. They sent money. They sent for his needs. 
And, and I'm telling you, if, if only every pastor in church would believe this truth, uh, that, that you can, sit, can, can consider Paul's words uh, um, to the Philippians. Uh, he said, notwithstanding, you have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Let's, let's understand what he's saying. The word communicate means to share. And so they had been con- co- contributing to Paul's uh, material support while he preached the gospel and planted churches. He was a missionary. He was a missionary. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me. I'm telling you, out of all the churches he had planted, it was only the church at Philippi that had a burden for supporting his ministry. For even Thessalonica, they didn't send me anything, but you did. I'm just breaking down the Bible. Here, he refers to a regular and consistent support, right? And so he said, not because I desire a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound on your account. And so, so, so notice what he said about their missions offerings. This is a Holy Spirit thing. This is something God takes into account. Is that right? And so, so we're looking at this. Uh, but I have all and abound. I am full, he said. But I've received from Ephroditus uh, the things which were from you, which were sent from you, uh, an odor of a sweet smell. All I'm saying, when we place our offering in the offering plate as a missions gift to somebody and we're obeying God the Holy Ghost and God the Holy, all of the gods. Um, excuse me what I'm saying by that, but you get what I'm saying by that. He's Trinity, he's three in one. If we're obeying God Almighty, when we put the offering that we He has laid on our heart to put inside of the plate, uh, God says that it's an odor of a sweet smell. Uh, we don't smell anything, but God does. Amen. That ought to be a blessing. God does by giving. We say, hey, Lord, I love you. Because they gave out of love, right? We see all that. But notice the wonderful promise in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In His riches and glory. Uh, uh, it's only applicable to the church of, uh, of, kind, of kind described in this chapter. The church is given. That, 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 that blessing is not described for somebody that don't give to missions. God will not supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He won't if we're not giving to missions. It's a rough statement, ain't it? Seemed like it went over real well. All I'm telling you is that this is the church which put missions first in its giving. You don't have, you don't have to put tithing in anything. We're not even talking about tithing. That's God's money already. This is a love gift. This is a gift because God said to do it in His Word. 
And so, so in, in 2 Corinthians we learned that they had given to their power and beyond their power. Right? In spite of the great trial of affliction in which they were in. In spite of all that, in spite of their deep poverty in which they were in, they gave. And so the Lord promises them and any other church like them that He would provide their needs if they've done that. Is that not King James Bible rightly divided context of Scripture? We broke it down slowly. So I could understand it. You might have understood it. but I, So I could understand it. Here we are. And we broke it down and the Lord promises them that He would supply their needs if they would give to missionaries. No doubt there were those in, in Philippi as well as any other church which represented the giveaway program of missions. You know, they felt that their own needs were great and they quoted all the, all the things. What, what do they say? Charity begins at home. Isn't that what they say? Isn't that an old, old quote? What is it? Charity begins at home. Don't, you, don't, don't, don't rob for Peter to pay Paul and all those old things, you know. Can I just tell you something real quick? If you promise God... And you don't get it, you don't give it, then you broke your promise between you and God. Amen. Paul effectively answers, answers all of this, any objective that you have, by saying, my, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you something, I'm, com- I'm completely convinced that most of the churches suffering financially are doing so because of their attitude about giving to missions. I believe that. I believe that. For- from a wholehearted truth, I believe that. I've seen God supply for this church time and time and time again over the last three and a half years. He's supplied every single time. Has He not? And I'm telling you, sometimes when we talk, when, when I'm, I've talked to pastors and I ask them if they consider doing faith promise uh, um, to the church, some, uh, I, I've heard all kinds of things. Some people say, well, well, brother, we're doing all we can and we're about to go under. No wonder. No wonder you're about to go under and the doors are about to close. I'm not saying this in any boasting manner or or shaking my fist in the face of God. God knows my heart. But I'm telling you, God blesses those who give. He does. I've heard people say there's no way we could ever do that. People wouldn't take on to it. Shame. Shame. It just makes my heart drop. And I'm telling you, I just want to say if you just believe God, if you just believe His Word, in many churches around the world, God has worked so many miracles in them which believe this practice and this principle found in verse 19. We just trust that. Now, 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 Now listen to me. Listen to me. This is not a lucky charm either. You're with me, right? It's not some luck that you can pull out of a hat every time. Doesn't mean you're not going to struggle either. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it does mean that God will supply all your needs. Is that not the context? 
I'm telling you, it is. I promise you. If the motive, hear me, hear me well, hear me well. If the motive of a church is to give and get back, they're going to be utterly disappointed. If the motive of the child of God is to give to get back, they're going to be utterly disappointed. I'll show you in Scripture in a little while. All I'm telling you very clearly in this verse is God said He would do it and He'll do it. But how you give it matters. If you don't give it willingly, He's not going to do it. I promise you. If you don't give it, un, uh, spare, if you don't give it without sparing, I promise you He's not going to bless it. I mean, it's simple. It's very simple. Now, like I said, we're giving out of love, but we're giving out of obedience. And I, I'm just telling you something very clearly this evening. We can't take the Bible out of context and use it for our good. That's, we can't do any of those things at all. But I'm telling you is that God never said when we would get those returns. He never said that. Is that right? He never said when we would. He never once ever in Scripture said when we would get the returns for what we've done. He never said it. If you find it, then praise the Lord. I'd like to read it. But he did promise that we'd never go without food. We'd never go without shelter. We'd never go without clothing. If is that not is that not right? Is that not right scripture? I mean. That, that's straight up Bible right there. I mean, Matthew chapter number 6, and, and we're running a rabbit, but I'm going to catch it. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 28, and, or verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Is that not talking about food? Okay. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit under under his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? What is that talking about? Okay. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Hallelujah. Let's talk about food. We've covered food. We cover raiment. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Yeah, we do. For ye, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those things... All those things will be added unto you. The problem is not him supplying. The problem is us not seeking. That's the problem. We're not seeking the right thing in the right order. Order our priorities. First thing must come first, right? And, and so, so I, I promise you first, if we seek the betterment of ourselves first, I promise you we're not going to be better. Amen. But if we were to seek his righteousness, I mean, if we were to seek his righteousness, what a better day. 
Amen. Friend, I know that there are those who could point out some churches who are suffering and not because they're not given to missions, but they're, these are exceptions. They, their problem may be a result of wrong motives. It may not be. Struggles do come. Unwise decisions. Mismanagement of funds. I mean, there's so many different things, but, but, it's, but I promise you what it's not. It's not because they gave to missions. Amen. It's not because they gave me. I believe that the church having trouble is not, is not doing right by or deals with things. We got to have the right attitude when we're given emissions. We got to have the right attitudes. I want to be very clear, just so everybody who hears this knows, motives is important. How you give it is important. And if the pastor or church has the wrong objective in mind when they gave to faith promise, they cannot apply these verses to themselves. They can't. We cannot apply them to ourselves. And so it's prudent for the church of God, wouldn't you say? Amen. Secondly, I want you to think about this. It's prudent for the child of God. The church benefits from faith promise given. But also the individual believer benefits from faith promise given. You know, becoming involved in giving a faith promise can be the greatest and most thrilling thing we have ever involved ourselves in since salvation. And I would agree in that. Amen. First of all, I want to notice a few things. First of all, it assures us of God's blessings. It assures. Now you know that word assures means assures, right? It assures us of God's blessings. Now, you say, where's that preacher? Well, simple fact, there's, there's principles in the Bible. The Bible gives us very clear principles, and we find a good principle in, in Galatians chapter number 6. And in Galatians chapter number 6, I'm going to turn there and read it to you. Verse 7, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Is that not a good principle? Very clear principle, I'd say. I'd say it's a, it's a pretty clear principle when it comes to that. Uh, and so, so, we're not commanded to give to faith promise. But we should remember that we reap accordingly. Right? I mean, <laughs> you give a dime, you're probably going to reap a dime. If you plant a mustard seed... You're not going to get a pair. Is that right? And so, so, so Paul puts it in a language of a farmer or a gardener, and so they could quickly understand it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he said, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. It's very clear. For the farmer who complains about the high cost of farming, which is expensive, by the way, the high cost of farming, they want to complain, I have the best solution for all of it. Don't plow. Don't plant no seed. 
But I promise you when you come to reap the harvest, you'll not have a harvest either. But if you want to save money, save money. I'm going to do something I normally don't do, but I'm fixing it. But say amen underneath there. Save it for later. Not because you're not amen. It's just because I wanted to. But I'm telling you, the truth is that if you want to save money when it comes to the harvest, just don't plant any seed. Don't buy any seed. Don't buy any farming equipment. Don't buy any of those things. And when the harvest comes, see if that saving money did you any good. Oh, I'm saying... (laughs) The context has to do with giving. Of 2 Corinthians 9 and Galatians 6. The, the, the one who is stingy and given to God can anticipate not receiving God's blessing. On the other hand, the one who is liberal and, with, and just gives, you know, and one, one, one God can expect, to, uh, you can expect to have liberal blessings from God. I mean, just think about it. Know how Solomon puts it. Solomon puts it. He says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, he says, There is one, there is that that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but attendeth to poverty. Attendeth to poverty. It says the liberal soul shall be made fat. Right? And he that waters shall be watered. I'm just giving you a scripture. There, there are many who fail to understand that God has many ways of blessing us other than just financial. Because of this misunderstanding, they expect God to just fill their billfolds with material blessings in return for their giving. I mean, we've had some of my best friends, some of my best friends have said it from this pulpit. You'll still go broke. Giving. You could still go broke giving. But by the way, I want to combat one of them and say it doesn't matter. You better still give. You better still give. Most of God's blessing to us are far more valuable than any cent can ever add up to. He can bless in our family. He can bless in our health. He can bless in our happiness. He can bless in a multitude of different ways. <laughs> However you want to look at it, God can bless it, friend. God can bless it. I'm, I'm telling you, if God does not send it in, one, one preacher said, if God does not send it in, you are under no obligation to give it. I'm going to uh, respectfully disagree with that preacher. I'm going to respectfully disagree because the Bible says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Give and it shall be given you. Is that not what it says? Give and it shall be... I mean, it says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, shall men give unto your bosom for the same measure that you meet with all. It shall be measured to you again. Don't penny and nickel God. Because God will penny and nickel you, friend. Amen. It's the truth. Note the, the verse is in order. Our giving comes first. When God tells us what to promise, 
We should give it every week whether we see it come in or not. Amen. I don't care if it's $5,000 and you don't make before. If you promised it, you better give it. Because I promise you God will take it. I've heard so many stories <clears throat> how you can find promises in this and promises in that but if we only gave and I believe I believe everybody does but I, I don't know but if we only gave what we promised at the beginning of the year we would be in much better shape I mean we're in great shape I thank the Lord for how he's blessed us amen but I'm telling you is that we we, we, we don't receive large offerings around this place. I mean, um, but I, I promise you, God has provided every single week. I, w- I wouldn't dare say that we probably go upside down more. All I'm telling you is that God provides every single time. Isn't that amazing? God blesses somebody who will keep their promises. God keeps promises with people who keep promises. Amen. Amen, friend. I, my point is that we should, we should give if we never see evidence of it coming in. We should. God's promises to give after we give, not before we give. Faith is no longer required when the offering is in, in, in my hand. Right. I always give my offering first. Faith is not required when, I, when I'm holding it. Be real about it. And I'm telling you something, friend. So, someone may say, how do you know God will take care of it? My answer is this. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. I mean, God can meet your promises in, in many ways. He can increase your income. He can decrease your expenses. He can give you the grace to give it anyways. There's a lot of ways God can do things. Uh, not only will, will missions giving assure us of God's blessings, which it does, doesn't it? I mean, did it not do that? Does it not do that? It assures us of blessings. Here, it assures us of blessings. But also, it adds to our bank in heaven. It assures of our blessings here, but it adds to our bank in heaven. That's scripture, man. That's scripture. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in everywhere, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves uh, um, do not break through nor steal. Not Bible. The only wealth we'll truly keep is that which is given to God. That's the only wealth. We will eventually leave the houses. We'll leave the clothes. We'll leave the furniture. We'll leave all the stocks that you have. All the bonds that you have. uh, Everything. You'll one day leave it behind. Not saying it's not a good thing. Uh, Every other material possession. Every car. Every truck. You will leave behind when you depart from this life. Uh, Death will separate us from it all. But when we give to God, the offering envelope becomes a deposit slip for the bank of heaven. Amen. The first bank of heaven. Amen. 
Friend, I'll never have much of this world's goods, but I do want to have riches in heaven. I want to be rich in heaven. I could care less about the back road, country, um, cabin on the hill with a pond around it, which ain't even there. I want a bank account set up in heaven, and I want to be rich. Not for my good, but man, when I lay that crown at Jesus Christ's feet, I wanted to make a clunk. Not a clang. Amen. I don't know who said that, but I'll credit it to somebody. Amen. I'm, I'm just telling you, friend, I, it's not something I can pride around in. That's not it. Nobody knows how much I give. Nobody knows how much we give a month. But I'm telling you this. I want to give as God has given to me. Missions does do that. It gives us. It can assure you of God's blessings here. It can add to the bank in heaven. And then lastly, it amplifies our building here. We're in a tabernacle. And I'm telling you, it will grow you in a much better way. That's applicable throughout all of Scripture. God prepares people for future events. God prepared Joshua to march around the walls of Jericho. He sent him under the provision of Moses for all those years, and he had enough faith to march around the walls of Jericho. He'd seen God provide before, and he did not have to see God do it again. He trusted God. Is that not right? God, God, Elijah. Elijah was able to trust God on Mount Carmel for three years to send rain because he stopped the rain and then three years later he called for rain. He prayed to God for rain and he had enough faith because he stopped the rain for Elijah and he had enough faith in God to trust him that he would start the rain back. Is that not right? Is not God increasing your faith? That's applicable. And and when we can think of all of those areas and all of those areas in life uh, where he prayed seven times... His faith grew there because his journey was not over. We must understand that he went where God had told him to go from that point and he had been fed by a raven at the brook Cherifah and all of those things. His faith grew, right? His faith grew. He was instructed by God to go down to a widow at Zarephath and who, who only had a handful of meat, meal and a, and a cruise and, and, and of oil and, 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 and she fed him. And he had seen the dead raised, and his faith grew. So when he appeared on Mount Carmel, he'd already seen all that. When he appeared on Mount Carmel with the, with the 400 prophets of Baal, remember that? When he appeared up there with, a, with, a, with the prophets of Baal, he did not need new faith. He did not need anything new in order to see God vindicate Himself. He was fully persuaded that God would be able to do what He asked Him to do. I'm telling you, friend. He knew that that, 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 that sacrifice on that altar was going to be burned up when He called fire down from heaven. Why? Because He had already seen God provide before. Is that not applicable throughout all of Scripture? If you've seen God provide before, why in the world are we doubting now? 
Why are we doubting now if we've seen Him do it before? Time and time again, friend. Why do we need to doubt now? I'm telling you, friend. It is prudent for the church of God and the child of God to give to missions. It is wise of that person. Give as much as you can, as many as you can, as long as you can, and do it all over again. Amen. Amen, friend. In my life, I'm 25 years old. God has proven himself faithful to his word. Amen. I've learned I can trust him in any situation. I've learned I've been able to do it. If he leads me there, I'll be able to trust him. If he don't lead me there, I, I can still trust him. But just mind him being out there. <laughs> Amen. I'm just telling you. We must live this life by faith. Be wise about what you do. I, I, I never, I, I, you could have told me four years ago, I never believed my faith had grown as much as it has in God. I've seen him supply through sickness. I've seen him supply <laughs> paycheck to paycheck and God give every single time. Every single time. Many checks have been written. And I, I, I was telling Mackenzie on the way home, man, I thought them things were going to bounce. Especially in the sickness area. Y'all remember that. But God provided every single time, did he not? Every single time. We never had to worry about it because it would always be there. It would always be there. And I'm telling you something. For, you can do that to each year. God will enable you through faith to give more to that promise. He will. He will. And I'm telling you, each year God has enabled me to do it. But God can enable you to do it. God, and each year, from last year to this year, for instance, I, I don't know the jump, wouldn't tell you if I did, but it was a large jump. And to go from this jump to that jump, to see God provide time and time again, it's amazing. It's amazing to me. So amazing to me. And in that, God has increased my faith. God has increased my faith. Bills didn't get cheaper. They actually went up. But God has increased my faith. Faith promise is not commanded to us. But it's biblical advice. Through biblical advice from Paul, he said, It is expedient for you. It is worth your while. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. It's good. It's prudent for the church of God. And it's prudent for the child of God to give. To missions. Thank you for listening tonight. You can stand to your feet. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you do. Lord, please take this word, Lord, that has been given tonight. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to it. Live by it, Lord. Help us, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, had you supplied time and time again. Lord, not only for me, but for this church, Lord, you've done it over and over again. Lord, we trust in our heart that you can do it all over again. We ask you, dear God, to just please work in, your, work in our lives. Lord, and we can trust the fact that but my God.
shall supply all your need according to his riches and glories. Help us to trust that, Lord. But, Lord, help us to do our part, Lord, as we give, not for it to be given to us. Lord, it's wonderful promises we can hold on inside of Scripture, Lord, that if we'll give, you will bless us. Lord, help us, God, to trust in your word and live by it every day. Thank you for this word. Lord, help us to be prudent, Lord, and give into missions, being wise, Lord, wise servants every single day. Lord, if you say to give more, Lord, it doesn't matter if it's a free will offering, Lord, a, a, a tithe, Lord, a missions. Lord, help us to be wise to trust in it. Lord, not to look at our bank account. But Lord, we live by faith. We do not live by sight. Help us, God, to balance the word of God out in our lives, Lord, and apply it to our lives that we would live straight and right with you. We bless your holy name for this church service tonight. Thank you for the preaching of the word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.